Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and the Knicks are knocked out of the playoffs. 96-92, they fall to the Heat in Miami. We are going to take a whole first segment to appreciate Jalen Brunson and the Herculean effort by him in this series and these playoffs. Then we'll talk about the game in the second segment, and by the third segment, we will get into some of our preliminary ideas about how the Knicks can get better this offseason. That's all coming up next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tuck left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking insights sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you're not already, make sure you hit the notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you can become an everydayer, never miss an episode, because even though we're about to hit the offseason, we're still going to be here for you guys five days a week for quite some time. So maybe we take a little break in the middle of the offseason sometime, but not for a while. We're here We're here for you guys. Don't worry. All the... Uh, all the morning you need right here on Locked On Knicks. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland. You can find Strick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And the Knicks lost, Gavin, 96-92. to But you know who did not lose on the overall this season? Jalen Brunson. Uh, ultimate winner of, of Knicks fans' hearts, of proving doubters wrong, of everything else. And so I... I feel like this first segment, we should probably just spend appreciating him and what he did. First off in this game, 41 points, 14 of 22 shooting, 5 of 10 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 45 minutes after 48 minutes the other day. Brunson ended the season as an absolute warrior. He scored almost half of the Knicks points in this game, which is crazy. And ultimately, it was in a losing effort, but by no fault of his, he had a fantastic postseason and really just a fantastic season. I look forward to hopefully many all-star appearances and all-NBA appearances from him going forward. He he finished the game with more field goals made than not just the rest of the Knicks starters, everyone else on the team. That's insane in a, in a good way and a bad way. But yeah, let's let's just let's take a second to to appreciate it. 41 points, four rebounds, three assists, 14 to 22 from the field, five for 10 from three, eight for nine from the line. Um, literally could not have asked more from a guy coming off a 48 minute game, played 45 minutes and it, it started early. And, and when we like talked about Jalen Brunson is a most improved guy, right? Like I, I kind of made the argument in the past that like, all right, he's like basically like the same duty was last year, but just in a bigger role. But I, I think, um, what we saw from him in this playoffs, like the ability to hit high leverage isolation threes, and it didn't really come into play totally until the last two games. But man, did he step up in that respect? Because we're we're a year removed from Golden State 
basically saying like, I dare you to make that shot to Jalen Brunson. And that was a big factor. Um, his inability to do so in, in Golden State winning that series and moving on to the NBA Finals. This year, uh, not so much. Hit three threes. All of them were self-created, like one sidestep, one pull-up, another step back um, to, in the first quarter, a 26-footer off a handoff to start the second. Um, and then as the game went along, like it, it was like the kind of paintings um, you would see at a museum, like in Italy, probably like a lot of like, I, I'm, I'm like da, da Vinci, right? Michelangelo, like whoever you want to throw out there. Like it was him running through three or four guys and just lofting like these sky high floaters. And like, I imagine it was like one of those like cherubic, like angels with like the extended wings, like just flying through the, the devilish sacrilegious heat um, because he did that over and over and over again. And, and then, and then came back to the threes, right? Like it was 85 to um, 76. And that, that's when he got another runner, then another three out of a timeout, 87, 84, then hit the flagrant free throws, then drove in and had to jump off to Josh Hart to make it 92 to 90. And then last play of the game, Alex, I want to get your perspective on this because it, it, you could, you could make the case that like he looked off a wide open Josh Hart. I was kind of okay with that, with the way that Hart's been shooting from three and then tried to slip it to Randall. And then watching it live, I was like, Oh, that was a force bad play. I watched the replay Gabe Vincent literally just shoved Randall. So he couldn't get the ball. It wasn't a perfect pass, but it was exactly the right play. Would have been a layup without the foul, and the Knicks would have tied this game, and maybe would have maybe would have gone to overtime. Maybe we'd be talking about Game Seven right now. Yeah, I mean, I I saw the you know the, the headlines like, but you know, you get the push notifications from ESPN or whatever on your phone, and it was like Jalen Brunson like flubs it at the last second, and I'm like, I don't really think he flubbed it. I don't blame him for looking off Josh Hart because Josh Hart probably would have looked himself off. Like uh, he had, we'll talk about this more, but like he had no confidence in himself to make any shots in that game. Like he took a few, he made one that was like super wide open and fine. Good. But like, if there was even the smallest hint of a closeout, he was putting the ball on the floor and that would have just been, he would have been driving into a, a crowded paint and had some issues there. Um, so, you know, I, I had no problem with what Brunson did maybe. And I would say maybe he held on to it a half second too long, but and nobody else really freed themselves up. So it was kind of tough to be like, to really fault him because it's like, well, what do you want him to do? Pass it into a crowd. And he sort of wound up having to do that in a way. But as you said, you know, Gabe Vincent, uh, you know, the Heat aren't dirty players though at all. But, you know, Gabe Vincent totally like a minute prior had uh, MMA elbowed Brunson to the face. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was it was fine. I, you know, the final play doesn't do anything to sully anything about the whole game for me uh, because the whole game was just fantastic. It's like you said, he was he was at his peak. I mean, this is the best I've ever seen him play in this in this singular game. Like it was uh, especially given the stakes and everything that they needed from him in this game and the fact that nobody else can make a shot. And yet he still continued to just bring it down, face double teams you know, face like all the defensive attention in the world, trying to get him to not shoot the ball, uh, you know, full court pressure, basically the last like three games, he's had to face full court pressure. Uh, if not longer, I mean, it's basically been more or less the whole series. They've been pressing him full court has to deal with that from the second that he touches the ball to the second that he puts it in the hoop. Like it was, it was just an amazing effort from him. I, I really appreciate what he did this season. I mean, it, he is single-handedly now, I think turned the Knicks into, a appealing landing spot because I think now you can point to him and say, if you want to play with someone who's 
a proven playoff performer and we're like just a couple pieces away, this is the guy right here. And you could do it in New York and he'll shoulder the burden. Like you can come in and be the secondary star if that's what you want to be. Uh, even if you're, you know, technically a better player or whatever, like let's say like the Knicks go after that 1A star, whoever it ends up being, you know, you can, you can point to Jalen Brunson and sort of, you know, it could almost be a relationship like, like what Giannis and Chris Middleton have, you know, where like Middleton sometimes is the guy that's coming through with the big shot. Uh, but Giannis maybe is like the more pure talented player. You could point to Brunson now and say like, you know, you might end up being the, the, you know, the, the physical specimen, pure talent, you know, that this team needs to get over the hump, but Brunson will always be there to like make the big shot for you. And, you know, to, to carry this team when it needs it. Um, so he's great. I think, I think the Knicks have a, a really great future ahead strictly because of Jalen Brunson. And uh, honestly, what a masterclass to get him signed this past off season and second round pick be damned. I don't care. He was worth it 500 times over. Oh yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like where this puts him in a league wide perspective. And, and I know you just touched on a little bit where it puts the Knicks um, from a league wide perspective. Uh, but first we got to talk about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. It's just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win with the right parts guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Uh, we are continuing talking Jalen Brunson. Alex, last time we were on, I was making the case that he was maybe the third best player in the second round of the playoffs. I, I just like after this playoff performance, I'm thinking about it like relative to the other guys at his position. Like who who are just the point guards in the NBA you would take ahead of him? Like, like Steph Curry mm -hmm. is the first name that comes to mind. Um, honestly, I just went through the whole Eastern Conference. Like, there's no one that really stands out to me. Maybe, maybe I'm a delusional Knicks fan. I don't know. Drew Holiday, not so much. James Harden, not so much. Darius Garland, not so much. In the West, I, with, with like the chaos around Ja, like Ja might be a better talent. Would you really want Ja over him at this point? De'Aaron Fox, I think, is a really analogous player. Far surpassed Chris Paul. I'm I'm going Dame. through it. Tyree, no thank you. Dame, I'd take ahead of him. It's a short list. It's yeah. a short list, guys. Like you look at these closeout games and how stars, like capital S stars, guys who have made four, five, six, seven all-star teams tend to perform. Generally not like how Jalen Brunson performed tonight. This is not a common thing. Even for players that were like, I had him like probably as a borderline top 20 player coming to the playoffs. Like he is making a push for being a top 12 guy in this league. And sure, you got to list them. I'm sure that'll be an episode, maybe multiple episodes this offseason. But the Knicks, like, it, it feels weird to say, given, like, how innocuous the signing was in that, like, they ultimately didn't have a ton of competition for him. And they got him on such an incredible deal. But that was, like, signing a Dame-type guy. Like, like it, it was a franchise 
life-altering moment. And maybe other people have acknowledged that and come to that conclusion way before I did. But for me, like, I- I'm just waking up to that fact. Like, like this is putting the Knicks on a completely different trajectory. We've been asking Alex since we, we've done this podcast, how do they get that star? They've gotten him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think if you're looking at point guards now, he's absolutely top five. I mean, I would struggle to even put Dame ahead of him, if I'm being completely honest, because it's like, I mean, maybe you can, I would say like on pure talent alone and pure abilities right at this very second, I might put Dame above him. uh, But as far as a guy I would rather have right at the second, definitely wouldn't put him above him just because of age. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brunson's sort of like in this unique, I feel like there's a very small contingent of guys in Brunson's like age group right now. (laughs) that are really good. It's like a lot of guys that are like older that are getting ready to like age out of the league. Like, you know, eventually at some point LeBron and Steph and Dame and all these guys will eventually retire in the next, you know, three to five years probably. And then, you know, there's, there's a crop of younger players like, like Ja and like, uh, um, you know, Zion when he's healthy and Tatum, Jason Tatum, Luca, you know, guys like that. But like, Guys in the their like prime ish range like Brunson are there's not too many guys like right where he's at right now and I mean he's clearly finding something like the peak of himself although I still think he could probably get even better like which is crazy um, but like he's just because somehow you know if I was going into this year I'd have been like well how much better could he possibly get than how he played in last year's playoffs that seems like the peak and then he found a way to get better so I I couldn't even tell you how he gets better but he just keeps finding ways and, and, you know, maybe it's just, he just keeps shooting higher and higher percentages from every part of the floor and gets to the free throw line even more. And, you know, eventually ends up with a true shooting of like 65 or something. Um, But I mean, he's, he's so good. He's easily top five, possibly like top three at his position right now. uh, And definitely has proven himself between last year and this year as one of the best, playoff performers in the entire NBA, which should matter a lot. Like I said in the last segment, to whatever capital S star shakes loose going forward because Brunson himself has proven to be a capital S star now, I think. Um, if not if not the perfect like two-way stud capital S star that you're looking for, but certainly one that comes through in the biggest moments and can score basically whenever he wants to at this point. Yeah against whatever defense that is configured however they want to to try to stop him uh he can score and he can he can find ways to get buckets so he's he's ascended he's found his way and they, and yeah the Knicks I mean this the signing of Brunson it, we we highlighted the other day he makes half of what like Damian Lillard and guys like that make on their super max deals I mean he is it is going to go down as not just the best free agent signing in Knicks history, but probably one of the best free agent signings in NBA history when all of a sudden done, if he continues playing this way. I mean, because just because of the sheer value of it all. Um, so big ups to him. But Gavin, there was a game that was played, uh, <laughs> which we should probably get into a little more. Uh, the Knicks went out to an early lead, and you know Brunson was cooking in the first quarter on his way to that eventual 41 points. They let the Heat back in after they they played a lineup with with no Brunson, no Julius for a bit in the first half. The Heat come back. They're up by one at the half, uh, you know, going into halftime. And then the Knicks just sort of slowly but surely seeded that lead in the second half thanks to a lot of the same things we've been seeing, you know, just lack of shooting, 
stubbornness on Tibbs's end to put a balanced lineup out there in favor of guys that he wanted to play. Uh, we saw a lot of of Josh Hart and R.J. Barrett together, which just – I mean, honestly, it didn't even really work that much during the regular season. And it certainly did not work in this round of the playoffs. Uh, and yet he just continually went back to that uh, and, and played them extended run together. Finally got Quentin Grimes in late. And even though Grimes didn't shoot well, you know, again, we've talked about it, but like the the effect of him being out there was so much – more on the spacing than than anyone else that he kind of had to be out there to clear the lane yeah. for for Brunson and others and yet he was only you know Tibbs subbed him in I think with two and a half minutes left or something yes. mm-hmm. when it was already too late so just kind of all in all a, a frustrating game that just sort of underscored it was like outside of Brunson being so amazing it sort of just underscored all of the the problems that reared their head during the series and was just sort of like a, a just a final uh, a, fi- a final middle finger from Tibbs, I guess, to be like, well, here we go. This is how we're going down because this is how we went down the previous three games in the series too, and this is just how it's going to end. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought um, Ariel Pacheco did a good job uh, summing up my thoughts on it, which was basically that like, who knows if the Knicks would have won if Tibbs did everything perfectly, right? This Miami T team like more experienced, like tough, like didn't make any of the mistakes that the Knicks seem to make game or, or made very, very few of the mistakes the Knicks seem to make game in and game out that just absolutely plagued them, weren't giving up like those easy run out transition buckets that the Knicks were somehow still giving up in this game. A lot of times it was because Brunson was like cross-matched on Max Struess and he would get a bucket and Struess would just run down, either hit a three or get a layup. Um, so that's something Tibbs could have shifted. But um, point being like Tibbs could have done everything right and the Knicks could have lost the series in six. Tibbs could have done everything right and they could have lost the series in five. Um, but they weren't given the best chance to win. Like a great example of that is like they were up 31 to 18, right? It was a 16 to three Knicks run and it was the best basketball they played like this whole series, like, like pretty easily. Like Brunson was stroking threes. RJ shot went eight for eight from the line in the first six and a half minutes of this game, which is just crazy. I think he was, I saw a stat. He was like the first player in like four or five postseasons to make eight free throws in the first quarter of a game on perfect shooting. Um, Julius was making shots. He was hitting threes. He was making the right passes. Everyone was playing with effort. Like it was looking really, really good. And then he sat Brunson and Randall at the same time, which you just can't do all playoff long. The Knicks have been a minus 17 per hundred possessions when those two are on the bench. Lo and behold, the Miami heat ripped off a 10 0 run. Alex, they got right back into this ball game. And then um, the sequence you noted where I I think this one somehow bothered me more. And it was just the idea that Tom Thibodeau, when push comes to shove, when his season is on the line, he is always going to go back to his comfy, cozy, happy space. And he had 48 minutes of evidence of the impact that Quentin Grimes makes, even when he can't hit a shot. And yet he, in his heart of hearts, despite the fact that the stats scream to the contrary, he believed that Josh Hart and RJ Barrett were better for this team. And they weren't because it was Brunson and Randall playing two on four at points with Mitchell Robinson. This is another example of it. I thought Isaiah Hardenstein was dramatically better than Mitchell Robinson in this ballgame. And maybe I need to rewatch maybe with Mitch. It's about the shots that don't get taken, but I counted about four or five different plays in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter where Hardenstein got either a block, a strip mm-hmm. or a clean steal. And Mitchell Robinson just did not have the mobility, was a complete zero on offense. Not that Hardenstein was much better, but at least he has some mobility. At least he has the ability to space out a little bit, unlike Mitch. 
Um, and I go back to this was a, a tweet from John Jablanco, who's, who's a great guy covering the Heat. Um, when Jalen, excuse me, when Quinn Grimes was on the floor, Jalen Brunson was better in just about every single aspect of his game. Shot 61% in terms of effective field goal percentage, 65% true shooting. Um, when Quinn Grimes is off the floor, 41% effective field goal percentage, 50% true shooting. Those are all stats heading into game six, but they all serve to highlight that Quentin Grimes transformed Brunson's life as a player. And for Tibbs to either not know that, which I, Alex, I cannot imagine with the staff that Leon Rose has put together, Brock Aller on staff, that Tibbs was not aware of those numbers. And for him to just trust his gut, to the contrary of that, is um, maybe fireable. And we can, we can talk about that in a second. And, and maybe all offseason. But that... That hurt me because the Knicks, this game, like despite all that, this game was winnable. But this game was extremely, extremely winnable. Miami shot terribly again, and it ultimately didn't matter because the Knicks, again, couldn't take advantage on the margins and, and just didn't have quite enough. Um, let's let's keep talking about Tom Thibodeau. I want to hear your thoughts, Alex, um, when we come back on Locked on Knicks. All right, uh, Alex, uh, what, are, what, are, what are your thoughts on my on my tip slander? And I, I, know, I know you're usually down for it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's just tee me up. Why don't you? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I to go to the Hartenstein point first. I, I'm in total agreement. Like, and I mean, look, I love Mitch Robinson. Like, but this just wasn't the best series for him. Like, the Heat just play in such a way that he's more easily played off the floor, and that's why you have a secondary option at center, and why you got a guy that's slightly different in the way that he plays and slightly more mobile and Hardenstein that maybe isn't as good on the glass as Mitch is, which Mitch, you know, we saw in the first series of this. I mean, he was arguably the MVP of the Cavs series uh, because of how great he was in that respect. And, you know, Mitch will crush it against certain teams for you, but the heat just aren't that team because they're just designed to space you more. And, and, you know, they, they play more of a five out style and all that stuff that, you know, Mitch just got exposed to different points and that's fine. You know, it's fine. He, it's not, it's not an indictment on him and what he does best. It's just like Hartenstein was playing a better game, you know, and he probably should have closed. Like if he had the legs to, he should have. And when he got taken out, he was still uh, still playing just as well as earlier in the period. So I, I don't see why, you know, there was, there was a rush to get him out of the game, but he had like, he was playing great transition defense. He was playing great half court defense. I mean, that, that one getting... block on Bam was was maybe the defensive player of the year for the Knicks. That was crazy. Where he yeah. like pinned it on the backboard. Yep, that one was fantastic. And the strip, I think it was of yeah. Butler. He got a strip under the hoop as well. That was that was huge. You know, that was like in semi transition, and like yeah. that was a big play as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it, all plays that were just kind of like saving the Knicks around the margins when they couldn't make a shot because they they needed that. I think they went. Wasn't it like a four-minute stretch or something in the fourth quarter where they didn't make a shot? It was just pathetic. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they they needed every bit of that. Um, and then, yeah, just the heart thing. You know, I don't know how much more we can even say about it at this point. Like, it's like what I said. You know, I said I would revisit this, but, you know, when Brunson down the stretch of the game, he looks up to the top of the key and sees Hart waiting there potentially for an open three and, doesn't think he can kick it to him because he's probably not going to make it and the game's on the line. That says all you need to say. Like if that was Quentin Grimes standing there, he probably does kick it and Grimes yeah. maybe shoots it and maybe misses it, which he did miss, you know, a shot shortly before yeah, that. And, and to be fair, Grimes was in the game at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, but he just wasn't in that position. Yeah. Um, 
at which speaks to how the Knicks decided to arrange the floor on that possession as well, yeah. which they, they could have said, hey, let's make sure that Grimes is over here. Again, just kind of speaks to Tibbs and his his lack of acumen with setting up like after timeout, end of game type plays too, where he probably didn't even think about that. He probably just thought, just give the ball to Jalen, let him figure it out. He'll do it. You know, all the rest of you guys just find somewhere to be, <laughs> you know, and that's it. Cause that's just how Tibbs operates. He's like, give it, give it to my best guy and let him create something. Um, whereas, you know, you see the best, the best teams in the league, the, or at least the best coach teams in the league, like the heat or like, you know, the warriors, even though they lost or, you know, teams like that, that they have more of a plan uh, down the stretch of games with how to get their secondary guys in position to potentially make a shot. I mean, we've seen this for years with LeBron too, where LeBron will be, will be the the guy on any given play late in the game, but they always have a great bailout plan for him. And I feel like the Knicks didn't really do that for Brunson on that final possession. Um, but to get to Tibbs as far as whether he should be fired or not, and maybe this can sort of lead into our into our thought, like just intro thoughts for the offseason here. But yeah, I I wouldn't retain him. And I, and I don't think that that's going to be the case, unfortunately. I think that because of what he did during the regular season – and look, like we gave him praise during the regular season and he deserved it for adjusting things in the regular season a bit, which he didn't do in 21-22. Definitely did it in 22-23, which deserves to be, you know, commended like an old dog learned new tricks. But once we hit the postseason, he reverted back to all of his worst tendencies. And if this team now with Jalen Brunson with a top five point guard and, you know, a clearly a good young rising roster is going to get better and is going to have higher aspirations going forward than a six game loss in the second round, then you're going to need to get a different coach. It's, it's what we've talked about for years, you know, almost since like from the moment that they hired Tibbs and even after that first season of being like, he's not the guy he's, he's the guy to get you to the guy. Like he set the culture. He's, you know, he set a good defensive foundation. And we've seen before, like that can be very valuable because now these guys have something that they can, that they can always fall back on, you know, and the team has continuity now. So the team, you know, as long as they don't blow it up in a major way, this off season, like this core has been together for like three, four years now, depending on, uh, you know, when the guys were signed or whatever, but these guys have a lot of familiarity with one another. And, you know, I think it's a prime situation. If the Knicks have like the, uh, if they if they feel willing and daring enough to do it this offseason is Leon Rose feels fine parting ways with a guy who he's professed as one of his best friends like this is kind of the perfect time to upgrade your coach this offseason you know and look for someone who can take you to that next level because I, I don't think Tibbs is going to be that guy I think Tibbs found his equivalent of a next level this year during the regular season and I think we saw during the postseason that once you hit the, the best coaches in the league, he still doesn't have the juice to get you over the hump um, because he just he, he doesn't make enough changes during the course of a game to win playoff series uh, outside of like the first round where he I think that he ran into someone who has many of the similar problems in J.B. Bickerstaff that the Cavs are probably going to have the same discussions about in this offseason because they're probably saying as well, like, we have the talent. We have a rising young roster. Is this guy going to be the guy to get us over the hump in the playoffs or not? Um, and I, I think the Knicks should seriously look at at moving on from him. Yeah, and I think 
I, I guess I want to note that I thought overall he did a pretty good job against the Cavs. Like, I, I think the thing with Tibbs is like the adjustments come reluctantly. And especially in a playoff series, like if it's two or three games later than you need to make them against a team like the Miami Heat, that's it. That's the series. Your season's over. I'm sorry. Like it's that like that. That is it at the end of the day. Um, and that's what happened this time. That could have happened against the Cavs if the Cavs were a little better. Because, like, again, he was slow to make adjustments, and he did, and they worked. But then it's almost as if he doesn't totally trust them, like what we saw with Quinn Grimes. And he was like, yeah, that was great. We won. But at the end of the day, like, I just kind of feel better with Josh Hart out there. And, like, and he cannot – like, like what makes him great is also what holds him back. Like, the guy – like, it, I not – like, a, a psychological diagnosis here, but in a basketball sense, he is OCD – to the max like like he knows what he likes and he wants to play it out over and over and over again because that is what soothes his anxiety and like evidence to the contrary like much like with OZD like it's not it's not going to sway him ultimately and like that is fundamentally who he is as a person and like I don't expect that to change and I I don't know if I want him fired like because there is a chance that you get someone worse and the grass is not always greener and I think you can't always take it for granted that like the culture that he set like will remain because sometimes you go from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. Sometimes you go from Mark Jackson to like, I don't know, like the equivalent of, of Jeff Hornacek or Derek Fisher. Like, and, and look, Leon has done such a good job and has made so many good decisions. Like, do I think odds are that the Knicks could find their Will Hardy, find their uh, scandalous Ime Udoka? <laughs> sure. Possibly. Um, but it's not a guarantee. So I, I do think it's like, I, I think it's like a nuanced conversation. It's not something that should be an automatic, but like if you have title aspirations, it's kind of like what, what Matt Ishbia keeps saying to like justify the Kevin Durant trade. Like at the end of the day, like you go for it. And I, I think we're both in agreement, Alex, like the Knicks absolutely have a window here with Jalen Brunson with a young core that is mostly locked in under contract right now. Um, plus picks over the next few years to throw into a star trade. Like we did that draft last year where we, where we picked the future of all, all the teams. And I think you took the Knicks like 16th or something in my head. I was like, all right, that's pretty high. I had them like 25th. Like they went from on my rankings, like 25th to maybe like fourth in the NBA right now in terms mm-hmm. of who is the best future. Like I need to go through it. Like, again, that's another off season exercise, but like there's a real window here. And ultimately like it's probably worth taking that risk and, and seeing if you can find a real innovator who can also maintain that the culture that Tibbs put out, because this team very well could have been in the conference finals with that kind of coach. Yeah. And speaking of tough decisions, uh, uh, by the way, I totally agree with what you said. I mean, I think that I think a a few decisions different in this series and a few adjustments and yeah, they, they might've, we might've had the Knicks in the ECF this year, uh, which would have been crazy. Um, But another tough decision potentially going forward is what you do with, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, right? Because RJ, you figure, especially with how he played this this postseason, has probably positioned himself that if you were ever if if that other star comes up and you know and becomes available, he could potentially be the centerpiece of that sort of deal now. I think with how he played, although I'd be more reluctant than ever to include him now at this point because I really think at 22 years old, he really he did a lot in this postseason. Um, but then you also have Julius Randle, who once again, we now have two postseasons of evidence to show that no matter how great his regular season is, he has really struggled 
in two postseasons now. And it's sort of starting. I mean, he's had two all NBA appearances in the last three years and also has had two really, really underwhelming playoff performances. And even this year with Jalen Brunson on the team carrying most of the load, he's still, you know, two years ago, he kind of wrote it off as like, well, he was he was essentially the Jalen Brunson of that arrangement against the Hawks, where it was like, well, the Knicks had nothing else other than Julius Randle in this series. And he sort of wilted under that, but that's just not who he is, whatever. Give him someone better on the team and he can, he can do better in the playoffs. And he got that this year and he still didn't do quite as well. Um, but then you look at quotes and I don't want to make too much out of like one quote from guys after, after losing, you know, after their season being over, but just the juxtaposition between RJ and Julius here, they both got asked how they felt about how they played uh, in the, you know, in the, in the deciding game. And you already noted, was it three for 24? They went between the two of them four for 24. I don't know. It wasn't good. (laughs) We don't have to relive this. Yeah. Combined. Not good. You know, they they had almost the exact same game on the offensive end in many ways. Uh, But RJ was asked how he felt about how he played. He said, terrible. I'm very disappointed how I played today. It's a lot right now. You fight for something and you want something so bad today. I personally did not play my best. And then Julius get asked, it got asked basically the same thing. Uh, first got asked about his ankle and how that affected him. And he said, I'm not one to make excuses. But then uh, another quote that Stefan Bondi uh, from the Daily News transcribed uh, said, well, RJ Barrett called this game terrible. Julius Randle said his playoffs was, quote, the same as the season. Some good moments, Randle said, some moments to learn from. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I. You also had Jalen Brunson, who was asked about it and was basically like, we didn't win, so we lost. And he literally carried the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the sort of example that he's setting. I feel like RJ is going sort of the same way. And yet with Julius, I still feel like he's just a little too okay with this. You know, I don't know. And, and I again, I don't want to, you know, everybody processes losing yeah. differently, but it just wasn't the most inspiring comments from him. And he, and you got to wonder if, if the Knicks look to move to a, a, a better or, or like move to get a, an, another star. Do they consider Julius the guy that they want to try to move maybe in a three teamer or something, or do they look to use RJ and still build around Julius? I'm kind of feeling like at this point, I almost have enough, enough evidence at this point to say that, I don't necessarily know that Julius would be on the Knicks team that would make it to the ECF or something uh, because it's, I just don't know that I have that faith in him at this point. Yeah. And I think there, there's a number of things at play. Like it, it would have been, it, I think the most frustrating part of this postseason is that it would have been that deciding data point on Julius Randall, but we just don't know how injured his ankle was. Right. And like, and we, and we, and we can't know that. And at least from like, like a skill perspective like that, that clearly affected him. Went down from 25 and 10 in the regular season on 45% from the field, 30 or 46% from the field, 34% from three to in this series, 18 and 10, um, shot 41% from the field, 28% from three. Was that like the postseason blues striking him again, like better defenses, more focused defenses? Or was that Julius Randle like not having his typical burst? And I think we saw over and over again this series, like I can't remember him outside of like, before he like the game, uh, the game five against Cleveland. Before we hurt his ankle, that was the one time he looked his normal level of explosiveness. But like all season, he was like bursting down the lane and getting dunks. He was getting out in transition. That didn't happen this whole series. Like he was clearly hampered. But to your point, he is a guy who perpetually will not take the blame 
or not even the blame, will not take accountability, right? And we see it in like micro instances on the court where like he turns it over and throws his hands up and doesn't get back. And we see it in press conferences like that, where like that was an opportunity for him to say like, hey, like again, like I wasn't good enough. And like, and it sucks like that. But that is part of like what being an athlete is like, you have to be a martyr a little bit. You got to take stuff into account because like that is what that's like being a good teammate. And then your teammates come to you and they say like, nah, you played well, you played well. But when you're the one doing that yourself, like, I think that brings everyone else down and there is a cascading negative effect to it, particularly when it is in game and, and it is the sense of like everyone else is at fault, but me and give him credit because he was much better in that respect this year. Like there was like a lot less, like when a teammate did something wrong, like you didn't see him like slumping. You didn't see him frowning. You didn't see him pouting quite to the same extent, but it's tough to justify running it back when, when you get the feeling like we could see this again. And granted, like some of it's coaching, like this was a series with like Miami heat playing bam out of bio at the five. Like, we could have gotten some Julius at the five and maybe that would have opened up the floor for him. Maybe that would have given him more room to create. Maybe that would have made him more efficient, but like in this current structure, like if Tibbs is going to play the way he does, like the Knicks could use a light South shooter at the four spot to give Jalen Brunson that much more room to just torture people. And I'm curious what this team would look like with that layout. And they've, they maybe have that guy on roster because when Obi Toppin has been given latitude to know that he has guaranteed playing time, he's been a pretty freaking good shooter um so i guess we'll see going forward gavin real quick just before we sign off because obviously we have a whole off season to talk about this stuff if you were going to outline one goal like one super distilled goal for the knicks this off season to do what would it be oh that's a good question um Wow. Um, I, I, my first instinct is continuity, which I guess is in mm-hmm. contrast to everything we just said. But I, I just like I just want this team back like it would it kill me if like, if, like even if Obi got traded like this offseason, like mm-hmm. that would suck. Like I just I want to see like what this team can do like as a full unit next year, like playing with this group for a full season. Like, like are we going to come in and say like it's a 52 win team next year? Like when they play like a Boston or Miami or Milwaukee next year, like it shouldn't be like cute and like amazing and like wow that was the Knicks win of a decade which is the kind of stuff we said like when they beat those teams it should be like now nah, the Knicks are on the same level as them um like for me like I'm looking more at like internal development like we need Emmanuel quickly to be the guy he was in the regular season in the playoffs and like he's someone like if he was healthy and playing at full capacity like I think we would have way less issues with Tibbs because I think Tibbs would have had him out there over one of RJ or Hart this entire series and I think quickly like that version of quickly like the Knicks are in the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe in the NBA Finals. Um, Quentin Grimes, like, he needs to work on his ability to uh, win one-on-one. Like, I I was saying it to you pre-show, like, over and over again. Like, we saw teams, like, park their worst defender on him. Like, it was Duncan Robinson. And, like, I kept thinking, like, when Grimes would get the ball in a swing, like, all right, just, like, blow by this guy. Like, you were were that dude. You're the five-star number one point guard in the country. And, like, whether it's a skill perspective or just, like, confidence at this point, like, he can't do it yet. And I want to see that version of Grimes because I think this Knicks offense could absolutely ascend to another level if Grimes can consistently win one-on-one against subpar defenders. And finally, R.J. Barrett. Like, like what happened this postseason needs to sustain. Like, like this game, like, we didn't really get to talk about it, Alex, but this, this game was a was a regression for him, right? Like, as good as he was at the foul line, going 9 for 10 at the foul line this game, like, was equally bad from the field, just 1 for 10. And down the stretch, like, when the Knicks desperately needed another source of offense, like, kind of sunk this team, like multiple bad turnovers, like having his pocket picked by Kyle Lowry, making a really bad decision when he had a guy open, but trying to throw it over Bam Adebayo, like the floaters that all of a sudden felt automatic abandoned him. And like RJ, like again, he's 22 years old. Like he earned the right 
for a bad game in Miami, closeout stakes. I get it. I'm not crapping on the guy, but like he has to be ready to play at the level like he played at for most of his postseason, night in and night out. To me, like that will be like whether Randall's back, whether Tibbs is back, that will be the single most transformative thing for this team. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think continuity would be big. I think my if I was gonna distill my thoughts down, it would be more sensible upgrades and more shooting. I think that would be it. I mean, yeah. and you know, I, I I would fully encourage them to go after the big moves of like looking at potentially moving on from Tibbs and Randall, but I don't know if I necessarily think that they're, they're gonna be there yet. Um I think unfortunately, like as far as Tibbs, that you know, I think they should go in with that new set of expectations starting next season. And if Tibbs doesn't live up to those, then they should look to get rid of him by like midseason. And maybe, maybe they have really felt this whole time like Johnny Bryan is the heir apparent. And you know, maybe they give him the reins and and it works out really well. Um, but we'll see how that goes. And you know, with Julius, like I kind of feel like unless they find some huge swing where they can get like a huge upgrade and use him as the main piece this offseason, they're probably going to just keep him and look to improve around him and Brunson more again, which, you know, whether that's the right or wrong decision, I think that's the way they're going to go, and they probably wouldn't look to get rid of Randall until, again, like end of next year, if the Knicks haven't made demonstrable improvement by the end of next year, then maybe maybe you start looking at that. Um, but I, I think just sensible upgrades and, you know, just doing what they've been doing. The Knicks, This Knicks team, like, wins around the margins, you know, in, in – the front office sense of things like they've just made so many little trades to gather extra assets. And, you know, they've, uh, they've managed to, you know, turn like their draft pick last year into three future picks that they can hopefully use. And and now they still have four future picks that aren't their own. Thanks to the Mavericks pick. Maybe, maybe not uh, conveying, I guess we'll see on Tuesday how that goes. But, um, you know, I, I think that they've, they've shown that they can, keep improving this roster while keeping some sense of continuity. Uh, and clearly they've got their guy now in Brunson. They've maybe got a developing star in RJ Barrett. If he can continue the best parts of his postseason going forward, they have an all NBA player in Julius Randall for, for better or worse with how he performs in the, in the postseason. So like this is a team that if, if they keep having development of the rest of the young guys too, like quickly Grimes, Mitch uh, Hartenstein, who's still quite young, you know, like, if all these guys continue developing, then things could work out pretty good for the Knicks next year, even if they don't make any huge moves. Uh, so we'll see how it all goes. But we got a long off season to talk about it all. Uh, so we'll stop today and pick up a hundred more times over the off season uh, to you know continue in on all this stuff. But until next time, thank you guys for listening. Thank you all for and Gavin. I'll throw it to you too, real quick, just for us to sign off since it's the last one of the of the playing season, but thank you all for, for being with us this season. We had our biggest season ever. Uh, and we're super appreciative of everybody that, that tunes in, you know, whether it's every day, once a week, you know, twice a week, whatever, however often you like listening to us, it's, it's always appreciated. And we hope that you guys stick with us over the off season because we'll, we'll try to bring some compelling content over the off season too. But uh, this is a really rewarding season as fans and as hosts of this podcast. So I very much appreciate everybody that ever tuned in. And thank you guys all. Uh, it, was, it was a great ride this year. Yeah, it's look, it's, it's surreal that it's over. This is just like far and away the most joy I've ever gotten out of out of watching this team. I mean, at least since that 12, 13 year, um, it was unexpected. 
And it was it was an amazing run. And I, I can't believe that it's over. Like, I really I, I thought there was a world where like, oh, wow, like if they could have pulled that out, like we would have been talking game seven and MSG. We might have been talking Eastern Conference finals. We might have been talking NBA finals about a team that most people didn't even think would make the play in this year. So that was amazing. And again, it's it's, it's thanks to all of you guys that, that we get to do it. So um, yeah, I can't can't thank you enough for watching like all the comments like on Twitter on YouTube, even, even the hateful ones, they're all, they're all welcome. And uh, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's incredible to get to engage with people and like, and to know that there are people like watching and listening all over the world blows my mind. Like every single time, like where you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm watching from Australia. I'm listening from Europe, like we're like wherever um, it, it is, it, it is amazing. You guys are amazing. Thanks for doing it. And, and yeah, uh, please continue to stick with us because we're going to have plenty of stuff coming forward. Um, but until next time, please Alex and Gavin talk to you soon. This was locked up.